Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, the source for all things Rising, JMA, news, features, interviews with fighters, etc., etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin. I am not joined by Jay Christian Gary. He is incognito at the moment, in parts unknown, And but I am joined by Teeth to the Junk, and we are here to talk the Bellator 244 card that just happened this past Friday. Teeth, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing good, and I definitely know you're doing well because you we off air. We talked about uh, how much you enjoyed the Bellator 244 card. Yeah, that was a great card. I, I dove fairly deep beforehand, so I was kind of like aware of what was at stake for everybody, and that was a very satisfying night of martial arts, I would say. So, yeah, just talk about, I guess, uh, I'll let you start off. Uh, what about the prelims? Uh, who uh, who stuck out for you in the prelims, and which uh, fights do you... Uh, See as being, uh, uh, I guess, I guess fights that uh, fighters that made a, a splash in their in, in that uh, portion of the card. Yeah, so I'd say um, Team Alpha Males Gonzalez. He took, he gave um, Vladimir Tokov his first professional loss. Tokov, I think, was five and zero. Gonzalez was four and zero, and he gave him his first loss in a very competitive fight. Apparently, he was like a I can't remember if they said it was Nationals or World Team, but he was, you know, he's heavy-duty Greco guy, and he overcame the Sambo, and they had a very close fight, and I think that's a statement fight for him, even though he's only fighting a prospect, not an established name, but he's fighting one of Fedor's pupils who was undefeated, so I think, you know, you might see a big step up for him. What did you think of that fight? How did you score it? It was a hard fight uh, to score. I mean, well, here, no, the thing that stuck out for me uh, in that Gonzalez fight was when Gonzalez got uh, got him in the in that what's it called? It's called a spadle or a splattle or whatever. Spadle. Yeah. Spadle. Um, for like a good, I think it had to be a good minute or maybe forty five seconds, and it was such a unique position. I don't know if that's ever happened before in MMA, ever uh, or at least in a major MMA promotion where someone was put in that position. I almost looked. It almost looked like he was going for a banana split, or some sort of twister. Um, Gonzalez, I mean. Um, but no, Gonzalez looked really good. Um, you know, I was surprised he was able to utilize those takedowns uh, very, very efficiently. I didn't. You know, uh, you kind of just figured that. Um, I don't know. I think the t- the portion of the uh, just the amount of Russians. That were on this card, or I shouldn't say Russians, or just people from that that area of the world, Eastern Bloc, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that you just kind of expected a lot of them to dominate, because that's kind of like the it's kind of like a joke in MMA is that oh, if you're from you know, ever since Joe Rogan said oh, you know, the Russians are a different sort of uh, set of white people, whatever it is, is that you kind of just expect them to dominate, but it was really not a not a full on domination of uh, of Russians, Ukrainians. Uh, on Bellator that night, um, especially. Uh, go ahead, sorry. Sorry, no, I cut you off. Go ahead, brother. Uh, I know it was a split decision uh, law, uh, loss for Tokov. It was very hard. You know, I guess I think I think Gonzalez maybe was able to do a little bit more than enough to get the judge decision. But if you had if you had said that that you thought that Tokov won, it would be like okay, I could kind of see why because I I I think that I think I think. It seemed like I don't. I didn't see the uh, the, the fight stats, 
but it looks like but I thought that maybe uh Tokov was winning on the feet. Um but the pro but uh Gonzalez was just kinda just utilizing takedowns and kinda dominating from a top position for the most part. Yeah, I think that's a good analysis. Like um the stand up was competitive. They were both landing, Tokov was landing a little bit more, but the grappling exchanges probably swayed the judges, especially especially the Swadel. Which you can't really do much in that position. It actually reminded me of that scene in Kung Fu Hustle, where the beast is, you know, the, the husband and wife, and they're all grabbing each other, and no one can move. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh I don't know yeah. If you've seen that movie. That's it's been a, a while since I've seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Yes, yeah. So it reminded me of that because he didn't do much, but he is showing his balls to the world, and he yeah. can't do anything about it. And the judges probably see that as well. You can't move at all. I mean, they probably counted even if it's subconsciously. But I thought. Gonzalez edged it. I really wanted to toke up to win. I just cheered Fedor team, but I didn't think I would. I thought the most just decision was Gonzalez winning the fight, mm-hmm. even though I didn't want to admit it to myself. But I didn't want to. I don't want to just be biased in the judging because a lot of people cry robbery when it's it's very close, and that fight could have gone either way. No, I thought Gonzalez. Listen, here's the thing: robbery. The robbery is like a dirty R word that's thrown around too much. I'll tell you this: robbery is when someone who clearly didn't win wins a fight. It was close, that's not a robbery. That is not the definition of robbery. Robbery is when Diego Sanchez, uh, uh, in that Diego Sanchez, I think it was Ross Pearson match in UFC, where, um, well, I think Ross Pearson clearly won that fight, but then Diego Sanchez, for some reason, gifted a decision, for some reason. Is that, I think that's the fight I'm thinking of. Um, times but usually decisions that people call robberies are just close ones where they thought there was a better argument for the one guy than the other but that's you know it's it's like come on they're only either three or five rounds most of the time you know under normal rules it's it's easy to think the other guy edged it but if they're having hundreds of interactions in each round it's you know it really comes down to what the judges are looking for those three judges oh yeah um, but I think I with Chris Gonzalez winning this fight, he's got to get uh, on the main card or at least a main card opponent. I would say next. Would you agree with that? Given that of his streak. Yeah. You know, and I wouldn't mind seeing him fight. Uh, he's a lightweight, so I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Piccolotti. Piccolotti's coming off the close loss to Outlaw on the same card, and uh, that's a good fight. I mean, I don't know if it's too much too soon though. Piccolotti's much more developed as a fighter than Tokov, but. You know, maybe it gives Gonzalez an opportunity for a big name, and then if Piccolotti wins, that puts him, gives him some momentum back because Gonzalez is a guy to look out for. But, but well, let's keep it, let's keep it moving. That was a good fight. Yeah, we got we got to talk about the Piccolotti outlaw fight though at some point. So whenever you're ready, we got that fight. We got to talk about. I don't even know if you want to talk about it now. I'm happy to right. talk about it now because it was just so awesome. No, right now Piccolotti outlaw was a, such a great fight. That's that's one of. I'm gonna once I'm done once I'm done rewatching Nemkov crush Bader another 400 times. I'm gonna go back and watch that fight about 20 times. That was there was so many great exchanges and reversals, scrambles. That was some high level shit. Uh, who did you score that for? I scored it for Outlaw, but again that fight I would almost I would say if you pick if you saw Piccolotti winning then I would not uh I would not disagree with you. Uh, during the post fight press conference which I was a part of. Uh, Outlaw said that he, when it, when he was asked uh, by one of the press uh, press people, do you think that you did enough to win that fight? And Outlaw said, "Yeah, I can even explain to you how I uh, how I won uh, that." So uh, Outlaw he was. Said, 
Go ahead. What did he say about explaining? Well, no, that's the thing. He said I can I can explain to you. Uh, I can explain. He said he's it's too. It was uh. It, he said he could explain it in detail, like one on one, how he won that fight. Um, uh, to uh, to the press. I, I guess I guess he couldn't explain it at the moment, just because also he hadn't seen the fight maybe as well. So. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He'd want to watch it back with some with some uh, you know clarity, you know, out of the moment. But, yeah. Uh, I I felt like Outlaw edged it. I thought the. Most just again, it was a very well, close fight. Yeah. I think Outlaw edged it. I also think if, if you if you want to judge, I think also when it comes to decisions like that, you gotta see who's closest to finishing the other opponent. And I think it's clear that Outlaw had Piccolotti many in a much more uh, almost was close to finishing him, like when he had his back and all and all that and and all that stuff. So I think you have to at least go by who's closest to finishing the other opponent. Not necessarily... Yeah, like, damage, damage dominant positions, because it doesn't always come down to how much time someone is doing something for, but it's how much they get out in that time. It's know? not what and you're doing. It's, it, it, it's, it's not so much what you're doing, but how you're doing it. I guess, is that, does that make sense, how you're doing it? Yeah, exactly. It's not, hey, you're on top and the other guy's on the bottom, because sometimes, like when... Uh, Ortega fought um, Alima Lay McFarlane. She was on the bottom, fucking Alima up, elbows, punches, pushing off. She, like she was doing such a good job. I was, I was watching. I was like, damn, she's gonna win this fight, you know. And she ended up eating the giant elbow. But, but even when she was on her back, she was getting the best of it. And that was a shocker. That fight, you know. I was, you know, Ortega. Obviously, since she's proven she's a tough cookie. But um, in the Lara fight, but uh, yeah, sometimes you know. I just felt like in that in this particular bout, Outlaw earned the win. It was righteous. It was close and competitive, but he did more, and that was that was the righteous the righteous call. Mm. So let's keep it. I, I just wanted to say something though. I I disagree with uh, saying Gonzalez should fight uh, Piccolotti. Um, I've always stated that I think that winners should face winners uh, uh, and losers should face losers. I think that Piccolo I'm uh, not Piccolotti. Uh, I should, it should be Gonzalez versus Outlaw. I think that's a much more interesting match to make because uh, I think again they both won their fights. Uh, they both had very close split decisions, uh, but but did enough to win in the judges' eyes. So I think I think that makes for an interesting case uh, for both fighters to face each other. Yeah, that's, that's a good fight, but that is a monumental step up for Gonzalez. But I'm not I, saying he doesn't deserve. It. He I, deserves it if he wants it, but his team might. Wonder if that's too much too soon. Mm. Uh, but eventually, you gotta take the you gotta dip your toes that. in the deep end, though. Eventually, if Gonzalez, you know, you know, you can't, you know, you, if Gonzalez wants to be taken seriously, he's gotta start facing, you know, big name opponents. Uh, and Outlaw happens to be one of them. Uh, so I think if he wants to make that step, he's got face someone on a, on a level like Outlaw. No, it's a good point, and it's not like the other the other parts of the division that are available are much easier. It's a pretty good division. It's not heavy on on name value, like like you know, like the UFC division. The lightweight is their premier division for names. I think we could agree. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, but uh, but th there's some tough guys. Yeah, that that might be the right one. That but, might be the right one. Ah uh, yeah. Mendo's come off the loss, mm -hmm. so that wouldn't work within your framework. Uh, because here, I've always said that like. With, with, if, if a loser faces a winner, 
then the winner is basically just putting it all on the line, facing against the loser. Now, here's the thing. If somebody's, like, number ranked number four, number five, uh, you there's a little bit more leeway with that because I... Bellator doesn't know rankings, but UFC does. So if somebody who went from like number two to number six uh, find, winds up facing the person at number seven, or number five. I think that's a little bit different because we at least you. I know the UFC rankings aren't kosher all the time, but there's at least something that you can at least stand on for like why you make match make that. Until Bellator does something like that, then it's gonna be. I think you have to stick more to the formula of winners and winners and losers, losers face losers just because uh, there's really no other sort of ranking system that they really do have other than number one contender and then the champion, um, as far as I know. And well, for, as far as, well, as I know what you're doing, because I know you're trying to do some rankings yourself. Well, that's, that's the thing. Is I was frustrated enough and I was like, look, some of these divisions are easy to rank because there aren't many people at the top. The top heavy, light heavyweight. Uh, women's featherweight are easy to rank, as is women's uh, flyweight, although they have more than 20 flyweights, but a lot of them have very little and some of them no experience yet. So that's a division of the future. Those are easy divisions to rank. Yeah. Because there aren't many people in consideration, but like welterweight, middleweight, um, and uh, featherweight, men's featherweight is, is nuts. Like a welterweight, I only have one guy in the top. By my measure, there's only one guy in the top ten coming off a loss. Part of that is because Rory left. Otherwise, there would be two guys. He's the ex-champ. There would be two guys in there. It's Koreshkov's number seven. But that's when you know it's a powerful division. I'm looking at who's got the momentum and who's worthy. And, and featherweight's like that, too. I think I only have one guy in the featherweight top ten coming off a loss, if that. Yeah, our, uh, I can't quite remember. I'd have to pull it up. But, yeah, I've been doing the rankings just so I have a sense. But... What's gratifying is as they announce fights, especially the title fights, the way I've internally been ranking, even before I tried to work the numbers, a lot of that shit makes perfect sense the way I've been seeing it. So I'm like, okay, either I've aligned myself with what they do and I'm just absorbed that somewhat unconsciously, or they're making good sense as far as how I see a sport working. So one of the two is happening. I'm happy either way, brother. Gotcha. So let's move on to the fight that whatever you want to talk about next. Gentleman Josh Hill versus Eric Perez. Yeah, I'm gonna. Josh be... Hill rises to twenty and three with a very strong technical, but gritty technical performance over Perez, who was fighting hungry, but just just didn't have enough. He got outclassed, and Hill rises to twenty and three. By my measure, that's got him. I would say, you know, he's well up there in the bantamweight division, which is a pretty tasty division. But he's got to be right up there, right? I guess so. I'll be honest. I wasn't the biggest fan of this fight. I just kind of thought it was there. Uh, I mean, here's a basically Josh Hill basically dominated for all three rounds. Eric Perez, former UFC fighter, and also fought in Combates Americas, uh, really had nothing. Really, really didn't. This was a career three twenty seven. And like, if you want to, if somebody, if I, if somebody ever wanted to explain. Me explaining thirty twenty seven to them, uh, I would ex- I would show them this fight because that's what just happened. Uh, he based Hill basically thirty twenty seven him. Uh, the, uh, he won every round clearly, and he got the best of the action. Uh, Perez was like I was watching it pretty intently because I was thinking, well, if Perez wins, I mean he gains momentum, but if Hill wins, he's right up there near the near the top, like at least in the top four, I would think in the bracket. Mm. You know, there's like. So there's Archuleta based on winning at the higher weight of featherweight, but also 
his his multi weight work and his win over Bandeas. I got him number two bantam weight behind Patchy Mix. Patchy Mix actually has this long uh, win streak, pro and amateur combined, as Amazov. Although 13 at pro, but he had 11 at amateur, so he's 24 fights in the cage in a row, winner himself. So I got him at number one, and then uh, and then uh, little Pettis, baby Pettis. I got him number three, but then I got Hill. I think after him, and I think I got Haraguchi after him, because he's coming off a loss in the layoff. You know, as great as he is, accolades that he mm. has. Actually, that's interesting that you, that you that you that you. Ranking, you lose. That's the fucking end of the world. Even mm. if you're the champ, if you lose, you're not top guy if you just lost. Mm. Not a sport. That's I'll, what I see it. I was going to say, I'm surprised that Horiguchi's still on your rankings because uh, usually when someone's injured or inactive, they're taken off the rankings. Right. Well, I haven't been thinking about it much, but just it, as it happens, now I'm doing bantamweight right now. Like, I'm charting out the wins and losses of everyone in, on the roster's opponents to do my little math and, and try and get a sense. But uh, Gucci's coming back, so maybe New Year's Eve in Japan, and then Coker suggested he might get the first shot at the eventual winner when uh, Archuleta and Mix fight. So that's why I'm counting him. He's not active, and I don't have him ranked that high because that inactivity counts against him. But I do have him ranked because he's expected to come back. Mm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But at some point, yeah, but I wouldn't go on forever, but it's like if you think about his body of work and the double barrel wins over Cowbell, you know, he left. But his last fight, Beltor, he was the top guy there because he won. He beat the champ. But then he lost the fight and he's been out. That's why I got him down probably number five. Not saying he's a worse fighter than the other four, but that's just the sports ranking. And if he still doesn't fight, like in either org, he's going to keep dropping. That's the way they, That's the way it goes. You know, I don't punish people who aren't a big name when I'm trying to rank. I'm just looking at a sport, whether I'm a fan or not, or whether they're famous or what they've done in the past. Like, I'm just trying to figure out the pecking order of momentum. Gotcha, gotcha. But anyway, so... So you weren't overly thrilled with the thing. No, but, uh, because it was going to be a top five discussion within the company, right? Somewhere in there. I guess so. But here's is that here's the thing. Josh Hill did enough to win, and I'll be honest. I'm never happy when I when I feel like that's how a fighter chooses to win a fight. I felt like he was taking the route of of I don't know if he was uh hesitant or you know was uh reticent because of uh, uh of eric Prez's background uh but i just kind of figured that i you know i i think he should have pressed a little bit more in trying to finishing uh trying to finish eric Perez. it was he basically he like i said it was, this is a clear definition of 327 where he just did enough it wasn't like outlaw piccolati or gonzalez uh 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 fight where they uh where okay, these these two are 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 giving equal equal amount of effort. Just somebody was giving a little bit more to edge them in the win. I just thought that Josh. I think that uh, how I'm gonna I'll take it back. I think that jo- jo- less that Josh Hill won uh, won, but more Eric Perez lost uh, to himself. I understand. I suggested before the fight that if ever guys wanted to have a highlight reel victory this was the fight because of how tasty bantamweight is looking and yeah. Gucci coming back and we'll, we'll definitely talk about fires uh, losing when we talk about Nelson Moldovsky because that, that that's yeah, no- <laughs> but we're not, we'll talk about that a little bit later we'll talk about that a little bit later 
Um, yes, sir. What, what fight? Go, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> so let's jump to the super welterweight belt, 175 pounds. I'm assuming because it was short notice for Leminger. So 11 and 1 pro, uh, 5 and 0 amateur, Mark Leminger won just weeks ago this uh, very impressive looking finish over, I think, Jake Smith. Wasn't that and fight, wasn't these two fights on, on short nose? So he took the Jake Smith fight on short nose and got this Amazov fight on short nose as well, correct? Yeah, so what appears to have happened is Amazov wanted to fight John Fitch, which is a fight I mentioned in the past. Like, it's a stylistic, stylistically pleasing. It's a big name, obviously, and he wants to affirm himself as one of the top dogs. And Fitch, you know, he hasn't been winning a ton of fights, he hasn't been active, but he hasn't been losing them. And he drew with Rory, and a lot of people were saying he beat, beat it, should have beaten him in that fight. Yeah. I'm not saying I thought so, because he didn't do... Anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but... Nonetheless, he wanted to fight Fitch, but the timing didn't work out. At least that was his understanding, so... They still kept him on the card, which is why he was... When he was put back on the card, you know, once they had filled it, I guess Salter and Capel filled out the main card, so they were like, we still want him on this one. He goes on the prelims, Leminger, and just destroys. And uh, shows that there are levels, you know? that Like, Leminger looked good against Smith, but but that's not Amazov. And he's fighting, like, by my measure, the third the third guy in the whole bracket in the company. You got, I mean, tell me it's fair, right? Phenom Lima, then you got Lorenz Larkin, then you got Dynamo, Amazov, third. I don't, I don't, I don't think it could be seen any other way. Is that, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh... When you do your rankings, do you also account for what they're what they've done outside Bellator, or do you just consider their Bellator stuff? Absolutely. No, I. Because the thing is, I'm sure Bellator puts more weight on what happens in the company, but I don't, yeah. don't do that. Well, because here's the thing: it seems like when Amazov like, came. Sorry, go, sorry ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it seems like with Amazov, they clearly wanted to peg him into big into big fights. Because uh, I'm seeing here he fought his his first fight in Bellator was Gerald Harris. Then Eric Silva, then Dave Rickles, and then Ed Roof. So this wasn't like you know normally Bellator seems to give fighters or I guess I guess fighters they want to focus on. I guess maybe they usually give them a a, a, a tune up or a quick fight or a fight that they usually are hoping that they win. You know, there's usually a clear disparity discrepancy in like in the two records between the two fire, fighters or skill level. But he re, he got. He got he got uh got some pretty tough fights initially on on his on his entrance to the Bellator, um, and uh, exactly. yeah, I think you know you do have to consider twenty four and zero at this point. Uh, probably one of the longest uh winning streaks uh outside maybe somebody like Khabib, uh that this you know he definitely. Eh, with this, I think, you know, you said it best. Is, you know, he just, you know, for that entire one round against Leminger, he just basically destroyed him. He just basically destroyed him. Leminger had nothing. It was, there, it, it was, like, if this were, it, it, I would I would put it at 10-1 or, or 10-2 if you could judge a score a, a, a round like that because that's how that's how bad it was for uh, for Leminger. Yeah. yeah, it was like a 10 Minus 10 round, you know yeah. what I mean? You, like, you score the fight, like, after that round, you practically can't win. Because there's, there's nothing left of you to face. But, you know, Leminger's tough. I hope they keep, it, keep him fighting, just maybe. 
back down at a, at a level that's more doable. But, you know, in the plus side, he made a great showing and got another fight, got another payday. It's a tough, you know, it's a tough business, so guys getting paid is a win. Even if you lose, it's a win. Like, Beta probably feels pretty bad. He got spanked by Nemkov, but he took home money. He made, you know, a few hundred thousand. I don't know what he made, but... So, you know, it's bittersweet at worst. What about well, so do, is is the Fitch fight the fight you make next for Amazov? Yeah, it, he's willing to wait. So in September they're doing shows on the eleventh and twelfth. One of those two shows, Fitch is fighting Neiman Gracie, which is very intriguing for me because Fitch has shown even in you know he's old man Fitch now. He calls himself that. We can call him that openly. He says it. If if the artist says, I mean, if athlete says it, you can say it without shame. Old man Fitch still fish people in his 40s he fished the hell out of rory fished the hell out of daily who were both you know top, top echelon talents in the company and if he does it to gracie that's some ill shit they should give him like the old motherfucker belt the mm-hmm. omf belt because that's serious because gracie is a legit world-class talent so and a young one so i like this i like this fight and i think amazon fights the winner for I don't know if for title shot. If Amazon beats the winner of Fitch Gracie, he gets a title shot. Gracie beats Fitch and then beats it. Yeah, I guess you know what? Yeah. But okay, so this is one seventy. So what? What about what are we? What are we doing about the uh, Larkin MVP? Uh, we got Diego Lima who will be facing uh, Musashi. So already, you know, uh, you have to wait for that. But that'll be at middleweight. So you know, we have to wait. That'll be down the line. But um. Yeah, you got MVP, Daily. You got also got uh, Homasi as well coming off the win over Curtis Melender. So what do you do? You kind of have a, it seems like Bellator's 170 division seems to be their strongest at this point. Yeah, 170 and 145. Those are fantastic divisions. 145 is incredibly deep. It's so deep that Juan Archuleta has only one loss, I think, in maybe his last 20 fights or something like that, 19 or 20 fights. And I have him ranked pretty sure number six his only loss in like a billion fights is to the champ and i have a number six because there are a lot of guys on with momentum or mm-hmm. have quality wins you know so like ranking that division was tough and i really had to look at the numbers to try and make sense of it because it, it there's so many different angles to see it from but 170 is bonkers and the mvp larkin fight needs to happen and that that'll be a situation where internally they probably rank mvp over amazon because of his in-company record and the fact that he has a daily win. But but I would say, like, for my rankings, Amazon is above MVP. Okay, so, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, like, writing this down as you're talking. So here's what you, here, what does it sound like for, for, for 170? MVP. Okay, so 170. Uh, uh, Lima's, Lima's, sorry, go ahead, brother. I was going to say, uh, here's the fights I have. I want to see if you agree. So we got Amazon versus John Fitch. We have Larkin versus MVP. And Homasi versus Daly. Uh, yes, but but uh, the caveat is it's it would be Amazon versus the winner of Fitch and Gracie because I don't think the outcome of that fight is a given. Gracie wants to grapple with mm. people, even if they're John Fitch. He's dangerous from his back. He can do some ill stuff. Okay, that's true. You know, I that's... think Gracie. I think of Gracie like a Verdun type. Not that he's done the same amount as career or the same size or anything like that, but just that when he goes to the ground. He's happy inside. He's like, oh, great, now I get to work. Even though he can strike. 
So I think Gracie Fitch is fantastic. I was hoping for that. Gracie Amazov or Gracie versus Storley mm. because Logan Storley is 11-0. and 0, not, not against a high level of opposition, but he's 11-0 and 0, and he is Fitch Mark too. Mm. He's like, you're getting wrestled and I don't care if, if people don't like it. Get... Apologetic offensive wrestling could be fun when it's at the highest, highest level. So someday, Fitch Storley. I want to see it. Okay, what about, well, what, also, what about Jason Jackson as well? What do you do with Jason Jackson? Because I feel like he also has to be in the talk of having a, a, a big, uh, either maybe number two or number three contender type fight. Uh, yeah, I, I think Jason Jackson, Andre Koreshkov. I have them both in the lower part of the top ten, you know, seven and below, but, but I think that the ex-champ presents huge threats, but Jason Jackson has shown... He's a huge threat. I mean, the loss to Ruth was so close, a lot of people had it going the other way. I was uncertain when they were gonna, what, which way it was going to go, but it was so close. And he proved, like, hey, he's a badass dude, too. So, yeah, I think... I guess, I guess my only thing yeah. is that, is that Neiman Gracie, I feel like he already got a title shot. I kind of feel like if for him to get into the uh, contender spot... Uh, especially because he was dominated so badly by R- Rory. Um, I guess also you could also say that since Rory left, I don't I like it's a different landscape now. Maybe you can, it's a you can then maybe have an excuse like you know him and Diego Lima haven't had a fight, uh, so maybe you can say. Douglas. 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 I keep on saying I keep on saying his brother uh, Diego. Um, it's yeah. all good. You you struggle with the pit bull brothers too. It's all yeah. good, man. All these Brazilians, all these Brazilians in their in their in their names. Um, so yeah, D- Douglas Lima. So if you do the Douglas Lima, uh, I, I, okay, I guess I guess now that uh, since Rory is not there anymore, because I you know the problem is that if you want to do a number one contenders match between Fitch and uh, Neiman and Neiman won, then you're kind of forced to do Neiman. Uh, you're supposed to do Gracie McDonald again, but since he's not there anymore, I, I guess you don't have to worry about that. It's still a still an intriguing matchup if Lima. If Lima's still champion, oh, Lima will be champion, I should say, uh, and Gracie beats uh, Fitch. And if you want to do that as a number one contender, I guess you could kind of, uh, yeah, that's fine. That's fair. I, I, I forgot that Roy McDonald's not there anymore. You mentioned that. I was like, wait, what? And I forgot. Oh, yeah, he's in PFL now. Um, totally forgot about that. Yeah, Roy's a, great, Roy's a great fighter and still young in the game. You know, he's, he's barely into his 30s. People want to write him off for whatever. Well, but no, because here's the thing. They want say Anderson Silva was number two even after he had been beaten by Weidman twice. Um, yeah, he, don't, don't do that, but like number two after finally losing a fight after all those year, all those years that Anderson Silva, you know, after you know after he came over, like I mean, he had an excellent body of work, mi- mixed levels competition, but he had an excellent overall body of work when he joined the UFC, and then he had that incredible run. So him, yeah, when you first lose, like when Fedor first lost. I can see you put him at number two because you're like, look at how long he was number one. He was generations, you know, practically, or a whole generation. But 
you lose a second fight, no, I'm sorry, dude. You're not the number two guy. You're, if you lose two in a row, even if you were the number one guy, you shouldn't really be in the top five if there are five other people coming off like two or three wins that are good. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. Because that's sentimentality, and it's unfair to the other athletes, I feel like. Yeah, and also, like, just to answer your question, just to answer yeah. your, your question about why uh, people write off Rory is because he's not in USC anymore. That's why. That's, that's the Say that one more time. Oh, the reason why people write off Rory is because he's not in USC anymore. That's the reason why. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's to me, it's it's just like, because what they want to do in their minds is, is say, well, he's not good anymore, so I don't even have to think about him, because thinking about him reminds me that I may not be watching him with the same interest, and then I have to watch the people he's fighting, then I have to give them credit if they win, and... What it really is, is like cognitive dissonance because people don't want to admit the talent is shared across the industry, even though it clearly is, even though these things should have been settled after Pride, um, was absorbed, was largely absorbed after Dream Clothes, after Strike Force was purchased, like all these mergers, no one company had all the talent at any given time, the top talent. Like if you think about the Strike Force roster, especially when, at the point that it was actually closed. They'd already gotten some talent out of it once they, you know, in a couple of years, whatever, they owned it. Mm -hmm. But when they closed, they brought in most of that roster. And a lot of that roster did really well. They probably, you well, know, fared better. The biggest one was DC. Former heavyweight champion DC. Yeah, I mean... And, and, and Rousey. Like, I, of course, Rousey. What am I saying about, about, of course, Ronda Rousey as well. And Nunes. Yes, yes, true, true. And just a long list, a long list of elite fighters that went over there. Once they were, once they had them, and they didn't have an option to go somewhere else for an American promotion, they were all. Then the guys get their credit suddenly. But when they were, when Rockhold was the world champ, when he beat Jacare to, to be, you know, like people were underrating these wins. But later, these guys end up over there and they get their full credit. But once they leave, they stop getting their credit again. And I, I just think that's immature. And it's people trying to fool themselves. I'm, I'm not really into that. Because not being ranked in the top 10 doesn't mean you're not good. Because it's a sports ranking. Like, if the best NFL team for the season, the top-seeded team, has a bad season, they don't get to go to the Super Bowl. Even if people say that's the best team in the league. If it doesn't go your way, that's tough shit. It doesn't matter how, quote-unquote, good you are. It's a sport. So, anyway, so my main point was Rory is fucking elite. He's a good fighter, even though he left Bellator. Because some people will be like, oh, it's time to bash him. So he's not a factor. But I'd have him in the Bellator inside the top five easily if uh, if he had stayed. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's, let's talk about another fight before we start ranting about UFC. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been dying to talk about this fight. Let's talk about... So, Fedor has multiple protégés. I mean, really, Nemkov is his hand-picked guy. But Valentin Moldowski, teammate, student... Heavyweight Fedor team standout is now 10 and 1, and it came at the expense of Roy Nelson, who lost his fifth straight fight. He hasn't won a fight since he wrestled Javi Ayala back some years ago, a few years ago, in his Bellator debut. Two questions, Andrew. What do you do with Roy Nelson? In fact, go ahead off on that, and then we'll. we'll okay, simple. I'm Scott Coker. I look at, 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 at Roy Nelson's contract. If there's one more fight left on that contract, I text Roy or call him and say, Hey, Roy, this next fight will be your last fight with us. We'll be happy to give you like a retirement ceremony or, or you know, if you want a, a hand-picked fight that's, that, of someone that's not in the top 
and our own uh, top 10 or whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll try and make that fight happen. But this will be your last fight uh, on, our, on our roster. If there's no more fights, I tell Roy Nelson, Hey, Roy, I'm not going to offer you another fight. What I'm going to do is... Well, we can have you. We can have a, a retirement ceremony for you. You can, uh, or you know, we can all offer you another position as like a, uh, as a commentator or whatever. But you're not fighting again, because it is quite clear that Roy Nelson does not have the, I guess, will to fight anymore, or to, to at least get better or or improve. He is he is done, and it's not has nothing to do with injuries. Has nothing to do with his weight or whatever. He just clearly he does not have the fight spirit inside him anymore, and that's detrimental to any organization. I I don't care whether you're USC, Bellator, Horizon. If you're not even trying to find figure out a way how to fight, then there's no point. It you're just you're just making the organization look bad. You're, you're embarrassing yourself, and it's not. And it's really just not that good. It really is not. He needs to hang it up. He was asking for a Mitrione fight. I think whether he's got a contract or not left, Mitrione's coming off an ass-kicking. Roy got schooled. I mean, Roy didn't get, like, he wasn't like, oh, he's about to be finished. You know, he just got outclassed. You know, he couldn't stop Valentin Moldavsky from shoving him into the cage. Because on the... You know, in open waters, he, he landed some stuff. Melton was like, fuck that. Pushed him in the cage, and most of the fight happened there. And he, he just got outworked. And in years gone by, he would have been good in that position. Maybe turned him, maybe done some things. But yeah, he's, he's still tough. But he's he doesn't have the offensive output to fight at the highest level. But Matt Mitrion is also coming off a loss. So you could do those. They don't like each other. The last fight was close. Should have been like... I'm trying to think. I think it was if it was a draw, it was going to be a tiebreaker round. For some reason, I feel like maybe I'm mistaken on that. But I feel like the, the night of, it, it didn't seem like a good decision. It didn't seem like he won. Uh, he got well, here's the thing. I, I know they don't like each other, but I still see Matt Mitrione still. I still there's still value in him as a fighter, in my personal opinion. I still see him bringing a a, a, a fight value to Bellator. Here's what I do. If, 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 you know, I, since clearly Rory doesn't seem to have, or not, not Rory, Rory has that, doesn't seem to have just that ability to fight more, I would put him up against somebody who I'm, I want to to get better, or, or, or not to get better, but a, a prospect, heavyweight prospect. I don't know, like a Steve Mowry, or uh, who's the guy who, did, who won on the uh, Bellator's uh, first show uh, that they had this year? I forgot what his name was. Uh, like he, he's like Jamaican, like half Jamaican, half white. Oh, what's that guy's name? He he filled in for Steve Mowry like last minute, and he won last minute. Gosh, I can't remember. Oh my God, I'm forgetting what his name was. But um, or you know what? I put him up. Actually, sorry, I'm 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 breaking my own loser versus loser. Uh, you put the loser of that fight, uh, against uh, against uh, Roy. Because listen, if 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 I have to do another fight, I mean, if it's fight contract as as like one more fight. But real, but then that would. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that could that could be the move. I think from Belter's point of view, they'd be like, well, if we're gonna pay you guys, like, because Roy wants a name fight for his last fight. 
I don't think he wants to lose to another up-and-coming guy. Well, that's well, here's the problem. So is, is that he didn't like, earn it? Trio, I, or, I, or maybe they don't. Maybe they don't think they look at the numbers and be like, eh. He's lost every fight that he's had, or not every fight, but he's lost his last four or five. And Bellator got finished right. by Car by Karatanov. No, I, 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 as far as I'm sure, he has no room to negotiate uh, his, uh, his, his, his last fights. I really don't think that he has any power, or should he have any power to do so? He looked terrible. Like this is like he looked bad. This is and he looked. Awful. Not not even like bad awful. Like not even like good awful. Where he was trying to. He didn't seem to be even trying to fight. That's a problem. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean the only victory he took out of there was that he didn't get finished. But that's not enough because you know that's they don't need someone to be like a really really tough journeyman. Unless there's like a threat there for that kind of money. Yeah. Because he has a media, he has a media presence. That's his real negotiation is that people will tune in and see other people on cards that he's on because they're like, well, it's a big country, the belly guy. Let's drink some beers and watch the belly guy. So, you know, I figure like on the basis of that, they may do another fight for him, but it wasn't a strong performance. Moldavsky is, is a strong opponent, although in fairly inexperienced in the scale of things. But yeah, it boils down to either like some sort of like, just to showcase fight one off for a retirement bout, which which I could see them doing, or nothing, which I could also see them possibly doing, because that money could go to someone else. That money could go to reopening a contract with a young athlete. They're always like working that out in their brains. With Rory, when they didn't keep bid to keep Rory, they did sign new contracts. I think with Storley, Ruth, um, who else? Joey Davis. I think. Thing. Some of the other guys, the new talent, the young, I mean, not just young, 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 also in fight years. They, they've invested that money, but they were paying Rory. That gives them freeze up budget to do the other things. They're on a budget just like the UFC. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Debra so it was, it was the Ras Houghton and Rudy Schaffer, Rudy Schaffer fight. Um, and it was. Uh, supposed to be originally Steve Maui versus Shafroff, but Maui got COVID, and so Ras Hilton came in last minute to uh, to uh, face oh, Rudy Shafroff. Right, the tall guy, the big guy, was dancing around. He surprised me. I thought he was gonna lose that one. Yeah. So if you want to do Shafroff like versus versus Be versus Roy, I'm fine with that. I'm I'm very fine with that. That would be cool, man. Hey, Shafroff comes to bang. He can wrestle. He comes to bang. When he wins, he wins by knockout, so I, I can see but, that. I'm like sorry, that. but I don't, I don't give Roy Nelson a big fight, unfortunately, because I don't feel like he's he's earned it. Here's the thing. If he was at least put up a fight, I would at least say, you know what? You're putting up a fight, but you're just you're just losing to people that are better than you, but that's fine. You're still putting up a fight. I'm seeing a, He had 17. Do you know how many strikes he had in, in that fight with um, Moldowski? 17. He had 17. <laughs> it felt like 17. I thought I it was. I won't lie. I was cheering Moldavsky, so I didn't want him to land a lot. Because I want Moldavsky to earn like some sort of elimination fight to get up in the top three. Yeah. I don't understand. But, but 17 yeah. strikes. Few, 17. Do you remember? The, the fight, the only remember, I, the fight that I can remember that, had the, that even had less was when Mir fought Overeem. Didn't Overeem, Mir, like, get, like, two or three 
strikes in that fight or something like it was like I think it was a single digit number from what I remember. Well, I, I'd say the Bellator record is no strikes because AJ McKee when he was fighting Georgie Karakanyan, he he probed with a jab and then knocked him out with, with a pro you know, with a feint and then an overhand. Yeah. But none so, so he he not only didn't land, he didn't get to throw, but in general, yeah, that's pretty bad. And the Bader's win over Mitrion was one of the all-time most one-sided fights I've seen, especially the went the distance. Yeah, so that's why I... As soon as you got that first takedown, you were like, oh, I know what this fight's going to look like. I wonder if he finishes him. That's when you know it's bad, right? When the only consideration is, I wonder if he'll finish him yeah. while he does this to him, this whole fight. Yeah, so basically, yeah, so I, I don't see... I, I give I give Nelson a, a low level fight like that. It'll be it'll be a main card fight. No no it'll be a, it'll may, be main card. Um, actually I was even surprised that he was not co-main on this show. Um, Yo what about what about Tyrell Fortune? Fortune hits hard. Nelson doesn't move around that. Fast. I think there's value in I think there's value in Tyrell Fortune. Uh, you, I, I'll say this about Nelson. You know you still get hit with a Nelson overhand. You can still get knocked out. I'm gonna put up. I, I I would put up against a fighter who I have who, who there's less risk of somebody who I'm I'm having future. I want future eyes on. I think they want future eyes on. Go ahead. Yeah, because I'm just thinking if you were gonna do it as a main card. So who are you building? Well, Fortune fought Shafroth and schooled him. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking like Fortune's coming off a loss to Tim Johnson, but Tim Johnson is in that conversation for Scott Coker. He's up in that upper echelon, you know, says so like Congo, Minikov, then you've got like Johnson, and now you've got Moldavsky. It's not the deepest division, you know, it's kind of top heavy, so so it's easy to get into that discussion. But as far as the upper discussion, you've got Congo and Minikov, who I think, you know, Congo kind of embarrassed himself in that Bader fight. I think Minikov was coming off a victory. Maybe even though he lost a close fight to Congo, I mean if Bader's gonna go to heavyweight to defend. I'd rather see him fight Minikov than Congo again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That Congo fight wasn't competitive. I know there was, it was stopped. It was no contest, but he, it looked like a no contest where he got punched so hard in the face that he felt the pressure in his eye and was like, "Oh my eye," because it didn't look like anything happened to it, to his eye. It looked like he got punched in the nose. Mm-hmm. And so, but it, but he was getting schooled. It wasn't competitive. You know what I mean? Like, oh shit, look at Beta. That was what I was thinking when the fight was started. I was like, oh shit, look at this. So I definitely think Moldovsky. I think the fight you make next is Moldovsky Johnson. I think that's a fight you make. I love that fight. And if you know Moldovsky yeah. wins that, then I'll, then you could say he's next in line for a title shot. If uh, Johnson wins, he's next in line for a title shot. I think. I think. But I think. I think what Bellator wants to do is they want to have uh, Team Fedor both to be light heavyweight and heavyweight champion. I think they want to do something like that. Kind of like when all the Brazilians from, um, uh, like when Hennon Barral, Aldo from uh, Team Nova Unayo, or, or whatever the team name was, were like were like champions in their respective divisions. Um, yeah. No, I feel you, brother. Just like AKA, you know, Kane in DC and Rockhold. Um, you know, like certain powerhouse gyms, it, it, it's advantageous for a promoter to have these these people. Teammates. Oh yeah, it's also like, good for the gym we, as well. Like I'm sure we would, I'm sure their their perfect world, AJ McKee dethrones, 
you know, takes out Caldwell, dethrones whoever's in the finals, probably Pitbull or Sanchez would be my guess, uh, will be in the finals. Sanchez is a fucking monster. He's under the radar because he lost Pitbull, but lots of guys have lost Pitbull. He's beaten everyone else lately. But anyway, uh, they want McKee to become the featherweight champ, maybe also the lightweight champ, and they'd love to have Joey Davis be the welterweight champ. There are a lot of – they're MVP too. I mean, there are a lot of welterweights who they would love to have as champ. But Joey Black Eyes Davis, with his wrestling pedigree and also his striking acumen and his, his – you know, like, he's plugged in. He knows some celebrities. He's he's a smart guy. He's finished his degree. You know what I mean? Like, he's – that's what they want. They want someone who's cool but also intellectual and fights like a maniac and has a wrestling backup of moments. So – Mm. That's but that's Team Body Shop. Oh, he go left with Team Body Shop. They got Joey Black Eyes. They got AJ McKee. The, that's two powerhouse prospects mm-hmm, mm-hmm, among mm-hmm. the best anywhere. Among the best anywhere. Joey Black because I I've been asking people to point out a prospect welterweight hotter than Joey Black Eyes Davis. Like you know he's still early in his career, but if you look at how he's done so far and you look at who he is and where he comes from and how he's looked. Come on, man. Wrestling expert who strikes like an accomplished kickboxer and is still young. That That's the guy. That's mm. my pick two years from now. That's my pick to be champion. Okay. Uh, I'm, wrong. I'm wrong with Joey Black Ice. That guy's the fucking truth. <laughs> I swear. Uh, let's talk about Salter and Capel. John Salter defeating yeah. Andrew Capel. Salter did John Salter things. He's a monster. Can we can we agree that John Salter is, is like top three, even uh, top five uh, middleweight in the world? I would say top five in, well, I okay, so I'd have to stop and look at the recent records and everything because I don't want to I don't want to diss anyone just because they're in the UFC that I don't follow as closely. But I'd say it's probable that he would come in in the top six if we if we rank it like a sport worldwide. But in Bellator, I have him number three. Okay. No, but like... I, just don't want to diss, I don't want to diss anyone because there's so much of that online. People are attacking athletes. They're not even qualified to hold the pads for in the gym. Like, they die trying to do these guys' warm-up routine and and then talking them down just because they don't follow them as closely. So I don't want to... I don't want to... I don't want to be that. That's the kid shit. I'm okay, not, well, here... here I'm just going to read uh, who the middleweights are, uh, middleweight rankings for... Uh, for uh, UFC, obviously Israel Adesanya is champion. Number two, number one, ranked number one uh, below Adesanya, uh, Robert Whitaker. Number two, Paulo Costa. Number three, Jared Canyonier. Four, Jack Hermanson. Five, Yoel Romero. Six, Darren Till. Seven, Brunson. Eight, Gaslam. Nine, Uriah Hall. Ten, Sh- uh, Shabazian. Yes, that's UFC rankings. Yeah, you see. I put Salter above. Great. I put Salter that's above your Romero any day, at this point. Anyone, anyone who's won a fight in the last like three years should be above Romero. He lost three in a row and he hasn't been active. Like if you lose three in a row in a year, okay, you can bounce back. But he's been inactive and just not winning fights. Like you can't. If that's number five. Well, he just had the fight with Adesanya earlier this year. He had that fight with Adesanya that was boring as fuck, in which he did absolutely nothing. Uh, in that it's not his, I mean, it's not his fault. He's in his 40s. Like, most people do not age like John Fitch, where 
you joke about it, Old Man Fitch or like Archie Moore, where he's like the old mongoose, where he's still elite. Romero just can't beat the young elite guys, it looks like, you know, so he needs to step down so he can win fights or he'll just be passed around the young, the younger guys, the guys less shop worn. Unless they match him up with some guys that are shop worn but still highly ranked, he could maybe he could do it. But well, I would I even think about it with, rank, with world rankings because he's not been active and he's just been losing. It's like uh, Liam McGeary, although I think he had one win in there. But like you know, if you do enough losing, like you're not in the top chase in the whole world. It just doesn't make any sense. But it's also how you fight. I don't know if you saw that fight with Adesanya that he had. He did absolutely no. nothing. He did like I thought it. Someone told me on Reddit that because I was I was kind of pointing out like he hadn't been winning and sitting out, but someone told me that if he went to Bellator that very day, he would be the best pound for pound talent they had. This was the night before the fight turned out how it did. Because I was saying, look, he's older. Like it, I don't know why people think it's a time machine. And that no, because you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you why people are fans of Romero because 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 they're really obsessed with 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 with. I'll say dark, really muscular, dark-skinned guys. You can kind of thank Joe Rogan for that because it's a, it's almost statistic what they, uh, what they talk, how they talk about. Like they always say, oh, he's an absolute specimen. It's so, it's really weird and almost statistic. Fe- has a fetish-like, like language behind it. It's re- and it's really gross as well. But it also seems kind of selective, like it's the guys the company wants to hype, you know, because they're paying them a lot of money or because they did big things, they don't want to lose their shine. Like, the, their rankings are by, they're like what they think they can get away with. Okay, so yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm talking from the fan's perspective that, that why why they are such behind your Romero. And here's the thing, Romero was a great fighter on, at one point, and, you know, wasn't in the Olympics, I'll guarantee, guarantee that, but that fight with Adesanya really soured me uh, on him as a fighter, that like that was like um, uh, that was the fight. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of uh, the the uh, I think it was the there are it, when a fighter has a really horrible fight that will sour me uh, on on you pretty bad. And you only have to lose. It's how you lose. And he lost because he did absolutely nothing in that fight. And it's possibly one of the worst fights of the year to tell you the truth. Um, maybe the worst fight of the year. People were saying that, but I knew I knew not to watch. But plus, you know, I can't afford the pay per view, and I'm not going to steal it. You know, so I just don't watch. But, Same with the paywall, like fight nights and all those things. I don't watch any of them anymore because I'm not going to steal it, and I'm not going to pay for it. Yeah, I but, pay for this to get Bellator and my boxing, and you know what I can't find for free on YouTube. I, I just skip. Oh, Ryzen. I mean, when Ryzen isn't fifty dollars, yeah. get Ryzen. I couldn't afford it this last time, though. I just don't have it. What can you do? But, but looking, looking at the uh, again uh, the other people, Robert Whitaker. I'll put Robert Whitaker above uh, Salter. Uh, I think. Wait, is Whitaker coming off a loss? Uh, he lost to Adesanya, I believe. I think that was his last. I think that was his last match. I need to double check. Match. I mean, things got kind of stretched out. For the I apologize. No, no. He be, uh, He had to fight Darren Till. Darren Till uh, uh, just recently, and he beat Till. But um, his last so, loss. So go ahead. Well, he had a great, he had a great run. So then he lost to Adesanya, but then he rebounded with a win. Yes. Yeah, I would put I, because he was because he was a, ch- uh, a champ in one of the companies. Um, 
you know, yeah, I think I think you could you could argue that with the one win, I might not, but with the one win, you could uh, you could argue to, to put him above as yeah. long as coming off a win. But if you're if you're someone someone coming off a loss in a, in any kind of healthy cross org rankings, you're not in the top two or three if you just lost a fight, unless like I said, you were number one for a generation, and there's only like three guys I can think of. Aldo, Fedor, and, uh, shit. Aldo, Fedor, and GSP. But nonetheless, well, I just want to make the point that I think that Salter is one of the best uh, in the world, and he doesn't get any credit, it seems, uh, considering that he has finished all of his fights but one. It should be noted he's finished every fight but one of his fights uh, that he won. Oh, he's yeah, he's fantastic. Win or lose, he's only ever into the judges once. That's almost like a perfect fighter. But let's talk about his future. Well, what do you? What's next for him? Do you give him uh, the winner of uh, Lima and Musasi? Do you do that, or do you give him one more, uh, one more uh, fight uh, before that? So it's so the way I have the bracket ranked. Number one, uh, I have Musasi on top based on the long streak, which was snapped. Then he rebounded with uh, by snapping Machida's two, you know, four fight streak across two weights. Yeah. And so I had I have Musasi uh, without Lovato there. I have Musasi at the top. Then I have Tokov number two, and I have Salter number three. So if Lima, Phenom Lima is moving up to challenge Musasi for Lovato Jr.'s vacant belt, it seems like it makes perfect sense to have Salter fight. The elder Tokov brother, who's twenty nine and three, and an absolute beast. Mm -hmm. He only really has one recent loss to uh, Amiv, who I think dropped a welterweight UFC. Not sure how he's doing, but he was. Uh, but he beat him in his pre Bellator days. I think in M one. But uh, Tokov's a monster. He's on a good, strong streak. I have ranked just above Salter. I did before his, you know, this weekend's fight, and I still kind of do, although you can make an argument the other way. Three fights, three good wins. Salter, because, you know, Van Steenis was in that, starting to get in that discussion. Salter put an end to that, so that was a lot of momentum gained. So even though it's only three fights in a row, that's a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I think, you know, top six or seven in the world, top three in the company. Because I don't rank Lima because he hasn't, on anything at middleweight. Mm -hmm. So, like, if Lima was a small middle, small, small welterweight, he was moving down to lightweight, maybe I would rank him somewhere there based on winning in the higher bracket, but I don't give a lot of credit. If you haven't moved up, you don't get the credit. Like, people are probably going to be calling John Jones, oh, he's the number seven heavyweight before he has a fight at heavyweight. And that's like... So, there's been an discussion how you, how you rank somebody who... Either was undefeated and champion in one in your in one division, and then they go up or down to another division, and then and that's always I've always been interested in, in just like the conversation with ranking, because like I can see both ways. I can see you saying, "Listen, yeah, you know, if you haven't done anything at that rank, at that weight class, then why you should you rank?" But if you are if you have done, I think I do think you can kind of bring your what your your accomplishments from another weight class into another weight class uh, and, and transfer them over. I don't, I don't, should that make you automatically number one contender? I don't know. But I think you can still... Yeah, some, I think you can say that. I guess my thinking is you wait till they have a performance 
and then you can add what they have done in the weight class to their general body of work. Okay, good point. Good so point. like Lima is jumping the line because he hasn't beaten anyone, anyone at middleweight. So that all the guys that so like as a ranking, he's not ranked. But once he fights Musasi, even if he loses, you know maybe he gets ins inside the top ten coming off a loss. If he wins, obviously. Mm -hmm. I would have him as the top middleweight, as long as. But you know, but the the part of the thing is, you know, anytime you start a new iteration of the, like the lineal title, it does. You do have to build credibility in that thing. So they're built, rebuilding the credibility of that belt, just like when GSP beat Bisping and and left again. They had to re, they had to start from scratch. You know that lineage that that lasted all the you know. Pre-Franklin, the Franklin, Silva, Weidman, Roxo. But also, you had a much smaller pool as well. You started over. You started over, just like when Marciano retired. So, mm -hmm. so you know, middleweight in Bellator, it's a great division. It's packed. But that belt is only worth what the athlete holding it is. And there's no one holding it right now. So so I'm excited for the Lima Mustasi. That's some high-level shit. And I think Salter versus Tokov is, is the jam. But they may go a different way. Because mm -hmm. Tokov was supposed to fight this Brazilian they signed, Aguirre, I think his last name is. And he's, I think, 17 to 1, but he does he has like an early Amazov career, 17 to 1 type, you know, like wins. Inexperienced opponents, that doesn't mean a lot, cumulatively. So maybe they'll have Tokov do that, I don't know. But I think Salter Tokov. So then what about Andrew, just, what about Andrew Capel? So I mean... He had momentum, and he, he's coming off a loss to one of the absolute top guys already. Even before this win, Salter, I had a number three in the bracket. So, um, with Capel, you, like, I guess I like your idea of the winners, winners, losers, losers. They don't always do it. Like, Gracie's coming off a loss in the layoff. He's fighting Fitch. But I think that's just, you know, that's just the matchmaking team being like, that's a cool fight. If, if, you know, if Gracie wins, he's back. If Fitch wins, he's back. So it's win-win. Here's my problem. Here's, here's my question with, with uh, Capel. I feel like he was brought in, again, he, um, Kingbow was supposed to have that last match on the Bellator card, and I think they wanted him to go out on a win, but Capel obviously beat, uh, beat Kingbow, and I think this is kind of like a punishment match. It gave him such a, such a, uh, a, uh, such a tough fighter in Salter. And I'll say this, he did better than I thought he did, you know, in the stand-up, but for the most part, it was the John Salter show uh, for, the, for those uh, almost 15 minutes. And uh, I think that this was, I think, was, like I said, in the previous, in our previous show, I think it was kind of like with Zach Freeman and Aaron Pico, they were expecting Aaron Pico to win, Freeman won, so then they give, uh, who did they give uh, Zach Freeman in his second Bellator fight again? Um... Give him. Yeah, they give Sadawad. So you go, you go from Aaron Pico to Sadawad, and I think that was like a punishment match. Um, and here, and USC does the, thing, does the same thing as well. Um, I, and I think. But does it does it seem to you like a punishment, or it's almost like when they give that initial opportunity, it's a high stakes opportunity. I think if the you lose badly, maybe we'll call you the next time we build someone up. Maybe not, but if no. you get big. I, that step up because you've invested in the person you're beating. Yeah, I think I think you you, you beat our investment. Um, so we're gonna give you, and then maybe if you win that fight, maybe then you'll get like I don't know a serious contract 
offer or, you know, long, like three, four fight contract offer or something along those lines. I do. And, 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 and here's, here's the thing. Well, uh, promotions have done that throughout many years. Boxing, UFC, Pride, Pride did it many times. Uh, other promotions have done, UFC does it uh, as well. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it, listen, it, it, it's a time old as day. If, if, if you beat the promotions, Golden Boy or, or propose Golden Boy, they will punish you because they want, you know, listen, they, listen, you can't fix the fights in, M in MMA, but the least you can, but what you can do is put people who you expect to win, lose against people you expect to win. That's, that's how you can legally fix, fix it, uh, without, so do you think, like, if, if we're looking at strategically from the promoter's point of view, if you beat someone who has a lot of shine, that shine you then carry is going to be passed on to someone else who has the company's blessing through a tough matchup. So that you don't necessarily get to keep the shine if they don't think you're the person, but you can be the trans transmitter of it. I guess King so. Mo had a lot of time for retirement, so now Capel has a certain amount of pull. So then, see, I saw the Salter fight as like, yo, you just kicked King Mo's ass, so now you're like, you've got some, you've got some pull, so now we're going to throw you in there with someone. Well, see, if you beat, you're now one of the guys. You're like, because imagine if he had knocked out Salter. Yeah. So oh, yeah, then then, he, then he's one of the guys. Well, so you also got to look at, at the history with uh, Scott Coker, Bellator, and Strikeforce, and King Mo. King Mo was... Was in Strike Force. He was a uh, was a middleweight champion, I think, in Strike Force. I believe. Um, light heavyweight. Light heavyweight. Excuse me. Light heavyweight. And then yeah, you know he came he came over to Bellator. Uh, when Bellator, when Scott Coker took over Bellator, I don't know if he was he around when Bjorn Redney was uh was doing it, or was he, or did he wait till Scott Coker took over Bellator? No, he's, he was not only in Bellator when Bjorn was running it, but he had, holds the distinction of calling him a dick rider on national TV. Okay, exactly. Okay, so yeah, he's been... So basically, he's been... Page. It was like a backstage cut that's on YouTube. Yeah, so um, basically... Yeah, he... So he's uh, he, he's basically he's basically like Sting. He he forgo going, going... I'm pretty sure the UFC must have offered him something like during the Strikeforce buyout or even beyond. I can't believe that they wouldn't have. Uh, so I don't know if that's ever been publicly made, but I would I would be highly skeptical if someone told me, oh no, UFC was never interested in King Mo. I don't believe that for a second. Um, also, not to mention Bellator, let him do what Scott Coker's Bellator, let him do the uh, the TNA, the the pro wrestling as well. I think I think I think it was basically Scott Coker's way a uh, uh, way of giving back to King Mo. Hey, we'll give you this guy who's fifteen. Uh, well, I guess at the time fifteen and five, fourteen and five. Uh, you know, he's a little, you know, he's a, he's a regional guy. He has a fall of us, you know, getting easy win and, you know, go out on a win. And that didn't happen. And so, yeah, his punishment was John Salter. It's just, it's such a step up from competition that I can't believe that it was not a punishment. Really, like. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean. I'm not saying it's good no. or bad. I am not saying it's good or bad. The, the fire signs the contract in the end. But, I, I mean, it's kind of like, I, if you just, if it's just. Kind of how how things have been always done in in, in sports, uh, particularly uh, ones where you where yeah. And I'll say this in pro wrestling. Um, if uh, if you injured the main star, you know, and you were lower on the totem pole, guess what? You would then be you would be then uh, you would then be put in a match against somebody who would then rough you up. So 
that's their p way of punishing or of punishing somebody uh, that that yeah, fucked up all the plans. Man, you ding this guy's elbow. You're you're wrestling Andre tomorrow night. And on yeah, and Andre and Andre ain't gonna pull punches. So right. yeah, we told we, we told Andre for you that you think beers for pussies. Have fun. Have yeah. fun. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I, I can't think of any time Ryzen has done it, but I'm pretty sure Ryzen must have done it at some point. Um, I'm trying to think as well. Um, uh, 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 Pride. I'm trying to think of Pride. I know it definitely happened in Pride. Um, so, so hold on. So hold on a second. So the Jesus won the upset. Yeah. My brain scrambled, but he won the upset. Yeah. You think he's gonna be? So who was it? He upset. Oh. Why can't I even remember? Pochenko? Oh, no, no, no. What was the... Pochenko, right. Amazov's teammate. Pochenko. Yeah. So you think his name... So that was... Nah. So what was that? A phantom? That was a... Was that a lightweight or... 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 Welterweight? Hold on. I gotta look it up. So now I can't... But no. Because... Gonzalez has been with Bellator for, I think, his almost his entire career, right? All... Like, all of his pro no, fights? Not... No. No, it was John DeJesus. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting my... I'm getting my... my, my... I'm getting my my, my I'm getting my Russians yeah, mixed up. A, yeah, this was a super featherweight bout, 150 pounds. Vladislav Parapchenko, they signed him last year, 16 and one, with the with a soft 16 and one though, and versus John De Jesus, 12. Oh, okay, gotcha. Given that John De so Jesus, so is John De Jesus next fight versus like I don't know, like the loser of Weishul. Sanchez or something? Possibly. I, I, I'm going to go with that. Either it's going to be like Weichel uh, or Sanchez or maybe even Aaron Pico. Oh, shit. I didn't think... Hey, I watched the hell out of that. Jesus looked good. He surprised me. I didn't... You know, but he was he was big in there and he imposed himself and he earned the win. Uh, that's a good fight. I mean, they're looking around to see who to match Pico against. It's not a proven killer, but if you're coming off a good win... I mean, Parachenko has a good numerical record, so it's an indicator of experience and the ability to win, even if the opponents aren't that high level. Mm. I still value that record. It's like in boxing and MMA both. You can build a big record. It proves you can win against people. You won't get injured. You don't have brittle hands. You don't get upset too easily. So it means something. Just It's not the same as a big streak, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, now he's one of the hot guys. Maybe... Uh, Maybe his next fight is against an absolute. Watch killer. it, watch it. it. Listen, if he gets a fight like that, then I think we have to agree that's what Bellator does. And here, I mean, and it's not good or bad. That's just what that's just what promoters do. They don't like to see their people. Yeah, well, it's interesting that, that you frame it that way because I always see it as like when you get the opportunity, if you if you jump on and you ride the bull, it doesn't stop at the end of the fight. But but I can see how it would work from a cynical I mean, point of view. Or not, just a, it's not even uh, cynical. I mean, same fact. What a logical. Thing, right? well, you want a big fight? Here's another giant fight, but it's hard. That's uh, fuck. Like what? What? And what universe would would you say that Zach, that Zach Freeman earned a fight against Sada Wad? That is like uh, why by by beating a a debuting or or I guess de Bellator debuting Aaron Pico. What do you, I mean? Well, I guess I I saw that was he was they overreached Pico. He shouldn't have been debuting because like oh, I think Freeman was coming off a loss. A regional title fight. He was, I think, eight two at the time, or seven to two. I forget. I, I, don't quote me. But he was, he, I think, he was coming off a loss in a, in like, in a LFA or something or RFA in the title fight. 
So to have a guy debut against a, a full-blown lightweight, Pico is a featherweight-sized guy, right? Yeah. That was a mistake. That was an overreach. That was a, that was like some Japanese MMA trial by fire shit that they they didn't need to do. I mean, it's it's whatever it was. His management was probably like, no, he wants to prove this. He wants to get a title within a year. He wants this and that. They were hot on him. There's a reason people are oh, no. to see Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But that was a mistake. So I, the way I saw it was... Yeah, he schooled the golden boy. He's gonna be. He's gonna. He's earned himself a big fight, even though he wasn't under exclusive contract. So, I saw that fight live, and Awad is badass. But uh, I felt like it was just he got. They gave him. They were like, okay, you beat a golden boy. Now you're gonna fight one of the company staples, and then if you beat that, you're in the discussion. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's not let's, let's not lose focus, Teak. We got we got because we got a few more minutes, and uh, let's talk about the Julia Blood being Jesse Mielli, uh decision uh, in the co-main. Uh, I guess no surprise, <laughs> really. Well, I was just waiting to see if uh, if Jessica would be able to navigate that those like because Bud when she's kickboxing she she moves well and she keeps a good got high guard and she throws strong long. Ones and one twos, two threes, and like different combinations. She kickboxes, she, you know, she's got strong kicks if she needs them, but she throws a lot of hands and she throws a lot of teak kicks. And I was just waiting to see if, if Jessica would be able to navigate that. I'll and say this. Tell me how I thought the fight would go. And she threw some nice stuff. She had some nice hands. She was very tough. She was very composed and did come forward. But um, yeah, Julia was too much, man. She's a beast. I'll say this. Jessica. Had an, uh, and probably the, the best thing she did in the in, entire three rounds was she got this nice body kick on Julia Budd in the first round. That was basic, but that was basically all, all. Um, so I guess Bud is, I guess, uh, not Bud is next in line, but um, I guess Bud will probably face the winner of um, uh, uh, who the, who is the uh, I forgot the uh, one forty five. Uh, who's next at one forty five? So right now it would make sense to have it because Julia lost, so she was, you know, but then she came back. So I would say it's Cyborg and then Arlene Angerfist-Blanco, yeah. who notably has two losses to Julia Budd, but she's beaten Leslie Smith, who had a little streak going and earned that title shot, you know what I mean? So I think the way it times out, it can time out appropriately. But hopefully they already have it booked and they're just waiting to announce it. The cyborg fights Angerfist. Stylistically, I think Angerfist is a tougher opponent for Cyborg than Julia Budd. Even though, if you took Julia Budd and Angerfist and had to fight every 145 in the world, Julia wins more of those mm-hmm. against different styles. But specifically against Cy- Cyborg, Angerfist loves to throw hands. She's got a really, really good jab, a meaningful jab, moving forwards, backwards, or laterally. It makes a difference if someone can punish you like that, keeping the rest of that stuff composed. But Julia Oak was opening herself up, throwing front kicks and teeps. Cyborg just came right around it. Bang, 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 bang. With the punches, it was beautiful. It was fierce. And then, you know, the other factor is clinching on the cage. Cyborg was able to turn her. Then it was go time. By the, by the fourth, it was go time. Turned it up in the third and in the fourth. It was just overwhelmed. Because she was like, okay, you can throw that kick. I'm going to hit you three or four, four times. Off it, Jessica wasn't able to do that against Julia, so she she got beaten. But I, I think you can agree that the the that the vision itself is very very uh, bare. 
not a lot. There's not a lot. And I, 145 is, is a tough division anyway, just in general for women um, in America, because most of them are at 135. So I'm like, I guess go down to 125 maybe even as well. But 145 is basically it's basically three women around the world, uh, and that's uh, that would be uh, Cyborg, Amanda Nunes, and maybe GDR. Like, there's really no other, but it, there's it's not a real, it's not a very plentiful division in almost any organization. Well, I think after Strikeforce closed, you know, so like, you, there, there might be women featherweights out there, but, but like as far as the structure for division, so people move down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people move down. Ronda moved down, right? And Cyborg stayed where she has to be because she's too big to move down. But a lot of the young ladies moved down. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure Nunes was fighting as a featherweight. I mean, I guess, I guess you also have Olga Rubin, but she did lose against uh, Bud. Um... Yeah, I think, I think maybe you could do. Let's see. I, I feel like. It's fair to give Arlene her shot against Cyborg because when Bud was champ, okay, she lost twice to Bud. So be like another th- another one. You need to win, even though you're beating everyone else. You got to beat more of everyone else to get a third shot. But Cyborg has not fought Anger Fist. And Anger Fist, it was it came down to Anger Fist and Leslie Smith. They were on the streaks, right? Yeah. And Anger Fist won a close fight, so she's the one. So for me, I have Julia third, even though she's coming off a good, you know, win over someone who had momentum, but. I have her third, and it's fair to have Cyborg and Arlene fight, and that's a good fight. People might people might be shocked. That might not go the way people might envision it, just having seen a lot of Cyborg and not a lot of Arlene. I'll say that this: that if, if, Ry- if not Ryzen, if Bellator wants to get two, uh, well, I guess, I guess at least one more person for featherweight, uh, I think that they should sign King Reyna. If they're looking to get somebody yeah, a featherweight, I love it. Please, please sign King Raven. Um, I would also recommend Stephanie Edgar as well. Um, she's uh, she's actually defeated King Raina in Ryzen, but she's currently four uh, four and one. Uh, actually has a win over Mar- Mara Romero Borella, who now fights in USC, I believe, um, the Italian fighter. So yeah, so if those are two. You, you, they're gonna have to kind of reach in Europe and maybe even Japan for uh, for more talent because uh, I think stateside I think a lot more women are just at at featherweight not featherweight bantamweight and and even uh, flyweight at this point and with no no yeah, interest in moving Bell- up. You know, part of the Bellator Europe circuit is talent mining. I mean, it's also its own standalone entity. But yeah, like, I would also sh- recommend. Sh- Recommend Cindy Dandois, but I think she's in PFL now, or was supposed to fight in the PFL Women's Featherweight Division. Um, or light, Lightweight, I guess. Um, but, yeah. I mean, what do you do with Miele? Do you bring her back? This is, was this her second fight in uh, yeah. Bellator? Yeah, she beat uh, Talita Noguera. So, I guess, I mean, I guess you bring her back. I mean, she's local to Connecticut, so yeah. anytime, anytime you're in Mohegan Sun, just call her. I guess she'll just, like, Drive down to Mohegan Sun for about an hour and a half away. Um, no, I, th- I liked, I, I gotta be honest, I really liked the way she, she was fighting someone who was too much for her, but I liked the way she fought. Yeah. I, I see her stylistically matching up against some of the other ladies they have over there in some fun fights, so they absolutely 
I wouldn't mind seeing her fight uh, Leslie Smith. I don't. She's she hasn't fought Leslie Smith, right? I don't believe so. No, no, no. I don't believe so. I would watch the hell out of that because Leslie, she she's a come forward fighter, but she doesn't come forward like Julia Budd. So I I feel like that could be that could be a really fun fight, and that would that would fall in line with your your um, winners and losers mm-hmm. pairings. I'm pretty sure she's coming off the loss. Mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, Arlene. Now but anyway, yeah. We've spent enough time talking about unimportant things. Not unimportant, but you know what I mean. It is time to discuss one of the greatest light heavyweight performances in recent memory as protege of the all-time greatest hand-to-hand uh, sports fighter in history, Fedor Emelianenko, the protege of Fedor, Fadim Nemkov, put an absolute kickboxing masterclass on Ryan Bader, followed by, I don't know, what was it, 30 or 40 masterclass addendums on the ground and knocking him out when Bader was fleeing just to clear some space and gave him gave him the old left hook and put him down and the first Russian to be offered or to, to fight for a light heavyweight title, world title wins it and it was a victory for Sambo and Fedor Fedor team and Vadim and the whole stylistic clash as a peaking Ryan Bader just got Brutalized. What were your takeaways? Well, my first question for you, Tip, is, and this is the first question I'm going to ask. Did you think that this was a bad stoppage? And by bad stoppage, I mean it went on too long. If he stopped it right away, it would have been an okay stoppage, right? Well, okay. After the first two or three punches. Yeah. After the first, after the down of two or three punches, if he stopped it right there, no one would argue because the ref holds them down when they stop it. It's not like they spring back up, you know. It's like they hold them. They're like... You're right there. Let's don't make us look bad. That would have been fine. But after the first couple punches, Bader was, you know, he was the ref's there looking at his eyes as best he can to see because if those eyes. Who's the referee? Was this Brian Miner again? Was this Brian Miner who was refereeing? I don't recall. I'm trying to remember who it was. Sometimes they have it on on uh, Tapology, but I can't recall. Um. Sorry. Go ahead. But go ahead. So the referee was Kerry was Kerry Hatley uh, in this fight. So basically, he gets uh, Ryan Bader gets the the, the right head kick. Uh, he goes down, but I don't think he's knocked out. So I don't think that would have been a good savage. But then Vadim swarms him. Ryan then turtles up, and then uh, he's still delivering all those that ground pounds him. Um, and then Ryan gets up. Vadim still tags off on him. Ryan falls down again, and then. Starts Tino off him again. He then gets up again, starts running away, but then Nemkov catches up with him and then uh, starts before like another barrage of punches, the referee stops. I think after the second time he went down, he should the referee should have stopped it. You could say, you could say that, but if the ref sees his eyes glow like Bader after the initial knockdown, right? Those first few punches, if he'd stopped it there, no problem. But but really once once that moment was over and he hadn't stopped it, he was he was trying to get position. He was just getting hit, but he was you know he had his arms up. He was trying to get get his positional awareness and get up. But you know Nemkov was doing Nemkov things, man. You know brace off with the forearm, smack him with the other one. And then when Bader turned, he braced off with the other forearm, smack him with the other one. You know he's a two-handed puncher. Beautiful thing to see. I mean that was just sublime, and I was okay with the stoppage. I think it went on way too long. If he had missed that left hook and Bader had run around, could he have composed himself? Maybe. 
I think I think after the second time he felt he got knocked down, it should have been stopped. I think yeah, I think. I've seen some wars, so like you know, like when Daly dropped Diaz in their fight, you know, if the ref had been like, "That's it," you know, I maybe it wouldn't be considered such a bad stoppage. But it's like you know, Nick Diaz get knocked down, he's like, "Yo, this is a championship." Well, well here's the knockdown is different from knocked out. I think Ryan Bader got knocked down with that head kick. I don't think he was knocked out. He may have been, he may have been woozy, maybe a little uh, wobbly, but he was not. He was not knocked out. He was still cognizant because he did put his hands down the brace for falling. I did notice oh, that. Yeah. He, got hit, he got hit incredibly hard, but he, he didn't eat it. Okay, so he, he ate it in a bad spot because he turned his head, but he was yeah. it looked like he was rolling. Because um, Nemkov fainted a 1-2, and then and with the 2, he pulled his forearm out the way and brought the shin over. I mean, it was ab- you see that on super slow motion, it's art. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, no, but he, Bader turned like he was rolling with what he thought was going to be a cross, and instead it was a shin. So it hit him in a bad spot, but he was moving away from it. Yeah. So it probably could have been worse. No, I didn't think he was incapacitated until he got dropped the last time. I was like, there you go. Oh, the second time I thought he was incapacitated because here's the thing. You've already been, you've been knocked down once. I've always, I've always believed that if you get knocked down more than once, then that's, then that, that is, is, I think that is clearly, is allowed for the referee to stop. To, in succession, I'll say. I'll say in succession. There's a point where where the referee has to say, okay, this guy is, you know, it's, it, part of it is, is for the safety of the fighter. Because a third, getting knocked down a third time can mean worse than getting, than, than, than the other two knockdowns. There's a, there's a, there's a, a fine balance between, you know, safety of the fighter and letting them continue. I think there are times where, you know, you definitely let them continue. Um, I guess we could also, if you wanted to bring up a great stoppage, uh, was actually earlier in the uh, in the uh, card was the uh, was the actually the first fight Brennan uh, Will Smith, uh, where yeah Brennan just had a uh, Will Smith uh, back was just giving ground pound and Will Smith was doing nothing, he was doing nothing and the ref and even though the, these weren't they weren't the strongest shots the referee still had to to uh, stop it because uh, you take it out. Can't get out. Don't show any indication of being able to. You got that's. You're not supposed to just let someone get yes. punched without answer too long. Like if it's clearly, you know, like who was it? It was uh, um, Tokov. Tokov's older brother. One of his wins. He got home sliced in a, in a crucifix. And he was just hitting with elbows and punches, and there was no way out. The ref had to just be like, "That's it," you know. I think. I think with Vader though. Yeah, there was opportunity. and he could have gotten out, but I think it was also. I think he eventually did get his bearings back after this, after a second one. I guess a little bit, but it was still before that he was still he was still getting uh, getting a lot of damage and was still in a bad position. He was in deep shit, but I didn't see anything wrong with stoppage until I got on because I fell asleep as they were walking out. I get up very early in the morning, so I actually fell asleep as they were walking out. So the first thing I did when I woke up was watch the fight. Mm-hmm. And didn't, I didn't go to sleep very long, but I, I crashed out. I woke up like, oh, shit, what happened? I didn't even dream the, the result. So first thing I did, and then I got online, and people were like, no, no, no stoppage. I'm like, no, that's not something. That's a world title fight. Ryan Bader, there's a lot of money at stake, and he's one of the baddest-ass motherfuckers on the planet. He's getting paid a lot of money. You can let him try and fight through it. He didn't. 
when I think of other fights where guys running away and get knocked out, I'd love that shit. Like Overeem, one of his fights with Caratano, do you remember that? Yeah. He got hurt and ran away, and Caratano just clubbed him to the ground. Come on, it's one of my favorite finishes. I'm not going to be like, I wish the ref would have... Ah, oh, they get paid for that, so... Well, then there's... Here's it's the... not to be cold, but though. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if Nemkov had him trapped in a crucifix, he's just beating his shit out of him, and he's trapped, and he has no opportunity to respond, and he's obviously fucked... Yeah, then you gotta stop. You can't let that go on too long. That's just unfair. The refs in there protect him. But if he had missed that hook and Bader had run around on the cage and reset and just gathered himself for a second, come on, he's a world class fighter, one of the best on the planet. Even after the loss, you know, he's an extremely talented, trained guy. No, it's fine. Let him fight. At least that's how I see it. Mm. Not trying to be cold blooded though. I don't want to be insensitive, but I would think that you know, especially with the title and so much on the line. They want to be able to fight it out to a point. Mm-hmm. Now, if his eyes all exploded, that's different. Like the the stoppage, the Amazov stoppage, that was righteous. No, you shouldn't be getting hit any more times. But I don't think Beta was especially cut. He just got fucked up. So mm-hmm. I was cool with it, but I understand. There's but, uh, you know, we don't want people to... Team Fedor, Team Fedor went 2-0 uh, in the main card matches uh, with Moldovsky winning. Main card. And then uh, Nemkov uh, winning uh, the light heavyweight belt. Uh, question, though. Um, so there's been discussion of, of who the best light heavyweight in the world is right now. I hate, I hate, goat, I hate goat discussions because they're just so tiresome. There's, and and they're just, it's, just an, it's, just a, it's just like an endless loop of arguing. And there's never any consensus. And you can't, it's just like everything, MMA especially, changes every generation, every month even, every week at this point. Where, you know, someone could be christened the GOAT because of whatever. So I don't want to talk about that. But where does where would you say that he ranks Nemkov on the new light heavyweights of uh, 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 pro fighters in the world? Where is he? Would you put him? Today? Yeah. So, well, okay, so it comes down to John Jones, even though he hasn't been as active, he's had his little disgraces and stuff. But, like, it's fair to have him rank number one, but is he officially gone from the weight class? Does vacating the belt count, or is it when he fights at heavyweight? I say when, he's the number one guy. I think it's when he fights at heavyweight, because who the fuck knows? And you know what? You never know what's going to happen. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, he's still at light heavyweight until he has his first, until the bell rings and he has his first fight. Uh, so he's the number one light heavyweight, and that's fair. I'm not a fan, but I'm not, you know, if we're just talking sports ranking, and you know, he's the top guy. Nemkov is the number two guy. And I would say, um, I would I would actually have Prohaska as the number three guy uh, with other guys and Phil Davis haggling for, or maybe other guy, like Davis coming off two wins since he lost to Nemkov, but uh, he's up there. But I'm, you know, I don't want to take credit away from other guys, so there are probably a bunch of guys in that discussion. But I would say that behind Jones, there's Fatty Nemkov, because... Who else has wins as high level as Phil Davis and Brian Bader at light heavy? Who's fighting at light heavyweight? Who has wins of that quality recently? Who isn't John Jones? Because people could say, well, look at John Jones' wins. Well, that's fair enough. He's calling number one. But who beyond John Jones has wins of that level at light heavyweight? Like, because... Davis, in his last 12 fights, only Bader and Nemkov have beaten him. He's beaten everyone else he fought, including guys in the UFC. So, you know, so if Davis beats Machida, 
you know, he's won four of his last five. He's coming off the loss to Musasi, but he's oh. won, he won before that. He retired Sonnen, so... I'll say this. This was the best... This probably was the best uh, outcome for, for Bellator from a matchmaking match -making perspective because... Uh, now you have you have two fresh potential matchups with whoever wins between Davis and Mishida. With Bader, if Bader had won, if Davis wins, I don't think anybody wants to see Davis and Bader ever again. And Mishida, I know that they had a fight years ago, uh, but it's still you know I'm gonna uh, Mishida won that, and you know it's you know you want to do nice fresh matchups, and I think that Nemkov winning was really the best scenario. Uh, for Bellator from a match page perspective, because no matter who wins with Davis Mishida, he gets you get a nice fresh match in there. Oh, actually no, I'm sorry, no, Nemkov fought Davis. Uh, I, I I totally forgot about that. Um, but at yeah, least yeah, I mean, close fight. Like by yes. the end of the fight, Davis was looking strong, but it, there was no. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you still there's still there's still rematch potential that there's still there's still something behind that. Uh, and with Mishida, of course, you get a nice fresh matchup. Um, I don't think. Is the same fighter that he was five, six, seven, eight years ago? No, he's not. But listen, I, 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 I don't well, saying he's past his prime. I think is is absurd. I think it's an absurd statement of Mishida. Mishida's has always been. Uh, I, I, he, he's, he's, he's always he's. He's never been my favorite fighter, but I can. But he's at least you know. I don't think he's he's like a Roy Nelson at this point. He still clearly still has the. Uh, the heart and will to fight. He won. Yeah, I mean, he won four in a row. He's a Styles make fights yeah. legend. He's a, he's past his physical prime, but he's still in good shape for his age. And like guys young, years younger than might have, but like he's he is past his prime. It's in the Carvalho fight, you could see he was tired. That would would have been the case five years before, yeah. or ten years before. You know, he's past his prime, but he's still elite. So guys like that, Daniel Cormier is like that. Because I'm never going to talk DC down. Just because I think people are, are absurd to put him and, and Miocic in the in the conversation with Fedor and ignoring Big Nog, what, what the fuck? But anyway, without getting into that, but DC is still elite past his prime. Is he his best? Is he at his peak at 41 years old? Fucking of course not. I think he peaked in the Barnett fight. Myself broke his hand in that fight, but you know, broke, or I think he broke his hand in the Bigfoot fight. But I think they both broke their hands in the Barnett fight. I think that was his greatest performance, but he's so legendary. He was still, you know, he was adding skill, but like his physical prime, DC was over before he joined MMA. When he had kidney failure, you know what I mean? That's how great DC is. But long story short, like at 41, no, he's not as his best, but beating him means something. He's elite. Same thing with Machida. Masasi's young, you know, he's in his early 30s. He just had a billion fights, but like him beating Machida, that meant something. Machida retired Sonnen, beat Carvalho, left the UFC on two wins. So you know, but you know what I mean. Like it's, but I'm, I wouldn't say like you just beat the best Machida if Davis beats him, but he's still elite. It's an elite win. Yeah. So, but a uh, question: uh, What about next for Bader? I'm guessing defending uh, the uh, heavyweight title against uh, Moldovsky. I guess, I guess it'd probably be. Uh, Either, I guess I guess it comes down to three people. Either uh, Congo, or maybe maybe Kar Karatanov, if you want to say uh, I, uh, Kar uh, Johnson and Moldovsky. I guess I guess those are kind of like the 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 four or three you gotta work with. Yes, I think um, 
I think really like the clear top guys of Congo and Minikov. I don't know. I'm really bothered by that. By the way, the first Vader Congo fight. Way I'm really bothered by by that. I think you kind well, of just because he was schooling him, and it's like he got robbed of a finish because that shit was over. Yeah, it was all over. He was like, oh my eye, but it, but on the slow. I almost don't want to put him in there, but Johnson said he would like to face a rematch. Uh, Congo. I guess you know. I guess that's how Congo. Could, if he beats uh, Johnson again, he works his way up to heavy uh, to a heavyweight Tasha. I guess, but I'm almost hesitant. And hesitant. If if, if if another champion happens to win and, and Congo goes on a streak, then yeah, maybe. But I don't know. I feel like I kind of you kind of get you got a chance. And you just shit the bed of it because whatever. Why you chose that that reason? Yeah, what, isn't Minikov coming off two wins now? Did Min he beat Johnson and... Um, yes, Minikov. Oh, yeah, Minikov. I forgot about him, yeah. He beat Johnson and then... Uh, I can't remember if he has two wins since he lost to Congo. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't even know. I was thinking more Karatanov. Because I think... Wasn't Karatanov on, on a on a bigger sh winning streak as well? So, he was doing good. He had had just the one loss to Javi Ayala in, like, lots of fights. But he got schooled by Linton Vassell. We lost Phil Davis in heavyweight, but like Linton Vassell kind of announced himself at heavyweight beating Karatanov. Oh. I would say. He's in the discussion too, so you could have maybe Vassell fight. I don't know. I, I would almost say, like, hey, what about that Roy Nelson, that Roy Nelson matchup? But no, I, you're, you're winners and winners lose, lose this thing. And I don't think that Roy Nelson deserves it. I really. Vassell is in the lower conversation having beaten. Karatanov so convincingly, mm -hmm. and then Johnson is in the conversation because he took out one of the hot prospects, Fortune. Yeah. And then decked Mitrione, made Mitrione look easy. That goes a long way. Yeah. Mitrione has a win over Fedor. So if you're a Bellator, you'd be like, who has wins over Fedor? They, it means a lot because he's the greatest, and his team is poised to take over our brackets. So that's why I think like Mitrione Nelson, both of those guys. Fighting each other, that's a good matchup. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I see your point. Because they, they can play Mitrion sparking Fedor, jumping up before Fedor, the fast recovery, the athleticism. Because, I mean, Mitrion's old, too. Heavyweight is old, man. It's not like, you know, like, in the Pride days, the top guys, if you were in your mid to late 30s, you were cannon fodder most, mostly. Yeah. Like, that was the cannon fodder age. That wasn't the champion's contender's age, you know. Like, Minikov, like, Minikov's not young. He's in his 30s. Congo's in his 40s. DC's in his 40s. Vader's in his mid to late 30s. It's the dad bod. You know, like, it's, like, it's, it's, it's the dad bod. Old. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just what it is. Now, I have a bit, now here's a question for you. Um, Carl Oprichsen defeated Nemkov a number of years ago in Ryzen. Split decision went for Oprichsen. Do you, at yeah. some point, want rematch them? Do you uh, to maybe see, get Nemkov his win back, or do you have Albrechtsen work his way up? Do you do you kind of like push Albrechtsen based on the on their history, hoping that you can uh, match make those two down the line? Oh, I hope you know if you're Bellator, you try and get the rising permission for the rising footage of Albrechtsen, and then you have him fight Corey Anderson because if he wins, he's coming off someone. Like, I feel like it's goofy people talking about Anderson getting the title shot right away, coming off a loss. Like, losing in the UFC means more than guys winning in Bellator. Like, no, it ain't that kind of party. But if he beats King Carl, a little MMA math, 
who has that win over, even though a less experienced, uh, you know, pre-prime, you could either guy is now in a conversation because it's it's a top-heavy division. There are not that many guys ahead. It's not like featherweight, like Almeida, who won, like Little Machida Almeida. He was talking about going down a bantamweight, yeah, close fight, yeah, because he was thinking he saw an avenue to a belt. And bantamweight's getting go on. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure how much, but I was just saying um, it's a top-heavy division. So if Anderson and King Carl fight, the winner of that is now in the conversation. They are coming off a win over a credible opponent. But no one should be talking. It's absurd to me that people like losing in the UFC is like getting a title shot in Bellator because there are some exceptions to when that happens. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. That kind of booking, like, well, are you an ex-champ? Do you have a significant win? Or are you like, you know, what... What does someone bring to the table? Because like Rory came into Bellator coming off two losses, but he was the last person to beat the reigning UFC world champ at the time, and have one of the greatest fights of all time with Robbie Lawler. Win or lose, that still means a lot, you know. So he brought a lot to the table coming off two losses. So, but Anderson like is a, is a is a is a would be contender. So. However badass he is, he's got to win a fight. You got to come off a win. You can't just be like, "I'm here. I'm gonna shoot right to the top." You got to beat someone like Albertson, Phil Davis, even Machida. Fight the loser, Machida Davis. What do you think of that? I guess that's fair. Yeah. Um. I mean, you also have to bring uh, uh, you know, dispel. You know, you have to come to terms with the fact that you know name value also matters. You know, you know, I was surprised Corey Anderson when he signed Bellator that got a lot of press. I'll be honest. Corey Anderson is not was not really on my radar previous previously, other than his his win over Johnny Walker uh, in USC. But when he saw that Bellator, it was kind of like it got more it got more notice. I think got more eyes than other signees of Bellator um, uh, from that come from USC, uh, at least from my perspective. That's, that's, that's... I think some of that's marketing. You know, like gives people something to talk about. Yeah, of course, of course. They, he's been marketed by the brand that some people just adhere to. Some people, they hear about Bellator like an annoyance. And then when fighters go over there, they're kind of like, well, never see you again. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll say what's... What sucks is that Jiri is in USC. Because if Jiri has signed Bellator, we could presumably then get another Jiri-Nemkov rematch that I really have wanted to see for a long time. But at least the good thing now is also with with the Bellator Ryzen relationship. Actually, you know who challenged uh, Nemkov was Jay Kuhn. Ryzen's Jay Kuhn. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. I uh, think you know if he if maybe if he came in and won a big fight, it's like part of the consideration as well is like it's footage, yeah. branded footage. It's, it's not just it's like it's like when Jerry goes to the UFC. At least one fight, they're not just going to throw him in a title shot. One obviously because it would give Ryzen too much shine. Yeah. But also, they don't have anything to promote him with. What are they going to do? Hit the pads like the like the last Chuck and Tito fight? Did you remember? Do you remember that trailer? It's the greatest good bad. It was the the room of fight trailers. <laughs> yes. No fight footage, and it was like a couple like bad Windows Windows like movie maker level pad work. Like just it looked bad. It was so bad it was great. I watched it a bunch of times. I couldn't believe they put it out. But anyway. 
Now I forgot what I was talking about. That was so good bad that it just wiped my memory clean. What the hell was I talking about? Uh, Jiri, uh, Jiri and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in footage. So, like, Musashi came over. He was ranked higher in the world than Carvalho when he came into Bellator, right? And winning. And on a win streak. But ranked higher. But they had him fight Shlomenko, the ex-champ. Part of that's gathering footage. Get a high-level win of someone we have a lot of highlights for, and then kind of translates over. Like, you know, you beat that guy, beat up all those guys. So they did that with Jerry. Hopefully, they'll just give him a title shot against the best other contender in the bracket, and then uh, then you can make an argument that they were the number one and not Nemkov. Because mm-hmm. Jerry's a badass, and even though Nemkov wasn't experienced, he does have a win over him. He has a lot of wins in a row. Only one loss in his last million fights. So. If he beats a top UFC contender, yeah, you could argue Jerry is number one. But right now it's Nemkov, I mm-hmm. think. Because uh, his best wins, Bader and Davis, are better than Jerry's best wins. Even Jerry's win over Nemkov at that point in his career doesn't compare to beating Davis or, or Bader. Mm-hmm. I would say. We're top five talents. You know, they're not, maybe people, consensus don't always put them in the top five, but like they. They win. They very rarely lose. So the other question I want, the other burning question I want to ask is, what are your thoughts on the commentaries, Big John and, and Goldie, Mike Goldberg? Because I am, I'll be honest, I tune them out. I don't even really pay attention to them. Because I'm usually like doing something else while watching the fight, so I usually have the fights on mute. Or I'm just, I'm just deep into whatever work I'm doing that I just don't hear them. Are they as bad as everybody is making them out to be? Or is this just... No. They always, they always do that. They, they did that with Jimmy Smith until he went to the UFC. Then they stopped. And then when he left the UFC, they started again or just kind of wrote him off. They're just People are just fickle and dumbasses. I like it because Big John understands technique. And I'm not, I don't know, maybe they grade on people. It's not me. Morrow is the GOAT. And he's the only person I tune in. Everyone else is just background noise. I'm just listening to the sound of the strikes. I'm listening to when there's a crowd there. I'm listening hum of the crowd and I'm just looking at technique kind of half listening I don't really care maybe if people want a certain kind of groove that's not for them I don't know I, I don't really care that much about it you know what I mean although any fight to me if Morrow is calling it it's better because mm-hmm. uh, I watch on like Pluto TV they got the 24 hour channel so I just stick it on for background stuff and a lot of those fights he's called Ronello's calling those, and those are my favorites. I can listen to his voice all day calling calling fights. Mm-hmm. Partly, partly because he was the guy calling the fights that got me into MMA. Mm-hmm. Like, rapidly. So, like, he's the voice I associate with, like, top, top shit. That's just how it is. So, if I have my way, he would be full-time Bellator. But they have a lot of good combinations. That guy from the Euro Series is badass. No, I just English got... Actor. Just gotta ask, uh, uh, anyth- uh, is there anything else you want to say about this show before we head out, uh, Teep, uh, about UFC, uh, not, sorry, not UFC, Bellator 244, any last minute thoughts or takeaways? Yeah, fantastic show, Salter Tolkov makes a lot of sense, Gonzalez gets a big step up, Almeida, I don't know, a big, a reasonably big fight, uh, Nemkov is the absolute choice light heavyweight if Jones is leaving, and, uh, uh, Amazon should be hopefully fighting the Fitch Gracie winner. And I think, you know, there's just a lot of interesting stuff going on, but I do believe I've rambled.
performing out in your ear. <laughs> okay, great, great. It was good. And where where, where can people follow Bellator and see all their shows and all that stuff? You know that. Hope. Like Bellator MMA is their handle on pretty much everything. I'm pretty sure. And then on Twitter, it's like Bellator underscore Europe, and I think Instagram as well. So separate separate clips focusing more on the Euro series. A great, great, and of course, you know, your YouTube channels for all their prelims. They also upload a lot of free free fights on there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, it was a it was a good show overall. Uh, really liked it a lot, and uh, yeah. Uh, they'll be having the next show on September 11th and 12th, uh, two back-to-back shows uh, at Mohegan Sun, and they will be on Paramount Network and The Zone. I think it'll actually be the last show on Paramount Network, if I'm correct, right? Uh, those two. Yeah, they're gonna move off to whatever CBS Sports or something. I watched it on The Zone, so I, have, I but I think yeah, that was the news. That'll be the last one, which is good. Paramount is not that kind of channel. Spike was. Paramount is not not a dude channel so they're kind of misfits there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're like oh get in touch with you i'm not i'm not no one over you know what was the ironic thing is with your feelings and by the way look at these guys kicking each other in the face you know what's ironic as well before bellator they were showing rocky four if you remember that's the one where rocky beat uh drago interesting interesting that they uh that movie was playing be- before uh bellator 244 a little ironic thing. A little ironic thing. But, uh, yeah. Hey, hey, real quick, Andrew, Andrew, while I thought of it, speaking of that, the all-time greatest promotion troll job was dressing Chael Sonnen up in Home Slice's outfit from from one of the Rocky movies. Yes, Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed. Chael mentioned that. He was like, he was like, no, I took it home from wardrobe to, you know, spare anyone else. He, he seemed like, but that... That made that fight so much sweeter. I waited so many years for that fight. Never thought it would happen. Even after they did the tournament, I didn't think he could beat Rampage. Then he beat him, and it could happen. And uh, man, that made that all the sweeter. The shit talker wearing wearing that particular outfit and then getting sparked by the great. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. I'll take the joy of that fight to the grave. Of course, of course. And with that, uh, we will be back uh, whenever there's a Ryzen or JMA or another uh, noteworthy Bellator show. With the, but with that being said, Teep, appreciate your time. So I gotta go, but we're, I'm gonna be watching Groundhog Day on a Netflix party, so that's why I have to leave early. Righteous. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's been it's been righteous. Of course, and we'll be talking again to you soon, sooner rather than later. All right, brother. Thanks. Take care.